Good morning, Gates. How are you? Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to get the best out of me, you've got to give some response there, like, howdy. I don't know if you do that in Texas or not, but, but uh, I feel you. Let's hear I feel you. That's what they do in the South. I feel you. That's pathetic. Let's try it with passion. Aromi, aromai, or something. But if you're going to get the best out of me, you've got to respond, and uh, I'll preach myself to death if you respond. <laughs> it's good to be here. I love Kerbal. You know, this is one of my favorite spots. I've been coming to Kerbal for, well, a whole lot of years, uh, maybe 35 years. I've got some friends here today I've known for all these years. Uh, I was just a young guy when I met them, and, and uh, they were a lot older than me. And um, Anyway. Good to see them there today, and well, love. I love Carol. It's one of my one of my homes. I used to have an office here, and and uh, one of our dear friends used to run all our stuff for us, and and uh, so it's like homecoming, Carol. But uh, and so I'm just delighted to be here today. I'm delighted to be in this church. I appreciate Pastor Bert opening the pulpit to me, and uh, because we know it's it's it, it does, not anybody comes up here, and I count it a real privilege to be here today. And so let's enjoy one another. Amen. How many is enjoying the weather? It's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, it's raining in Virginia Beach, so I feel real good. You know, so it's good to be here, and uh, I want to talk a little bit today on heading for a breakthrough. Heading for a breakthrough. Now, do you understand me all right? Am I talking my best Texan for you? Because, you know, the Bible says that one comes among you speaking an unknown tongue, pray that it may give the interpretation. So I'm trying to do that Texas, Texas drawl today. Is that all right? Praise God. Now, I'd like to read your story. Would you like me to read your story? Thank you for that underwhelming response. I'll try again. Would you like me to read, read your story? Yes. All right, let me read it for you then. In 1874, on an otherwise ordinary day, Elisha Gray walked into the sanctuary of the Highland Park Presbyterian Church and made a history. He strung a large spool of telegraph wire throughout the church in an effort to create the telephone, a Greek word tele, meaning far away, and phone, meaning voice. Gray believed that two people could speak to each other from distant points using nothing but liquid-based microphones and wire. Amazingly, the crazy thing worked. Crowded pews of gaping onlookers were wowed by the success, and the sound of the first telephone was born, and in a church, no less. See, church is a place of creativity, amen? Gray had a much harder time swaying his investors with his ingenious product based on the bad advice of his dentist, who thought the telephone was a waste of investors' money, and because of that, Gray's prototype went nowhere. After two years of painful delay, a self-determined Elisha Gray packed up his notes and stormed the halls of the U.S. Patent Office to file paperwork on his invention. He was anxious to tell the patent committee all about his success in the Highland Park Church. Unfortunately, another inventor had been working on the similar concept, and as Gray unveiled his story to the committee, he learned that Alexander Graham Bell had dropped off his own plans and applied for a telephone patent just two hours earlier. Although Bell's plans did not include a working model, nor did his conceptual prototype ever work, the courts found in Bell's favor and rewarded him the rights to the telephone invention. All because Gray was two hours late with his invention. Two hours late in coming in because he listened to a, law, a wrong report, a negative report. You and I have to be careful who we allow to speak into our lives. 
You need to allow the right people to speak into your lives, people of faith, people of faith, people of encouragement, people that will help you, people that will inspire you. Because if you listen to the wrong people, they'll negative, they'll, dr- they'll drag you down, they'll stop you in your tracks, they'll stop you from being all you can be in the kingdom. And so because he listened to the wrong person, that dentist, what does a dentist know about inventions? About inventions, you know. He's, all he's interested is the tooth, the whole tooth, and nothing but the tooth. But he listened to the wrong person, and it cost him dearly. Because everybody knew who Alexander Graham Bell was, don't we? But do you know he was a Scotsman? See, most Americans think he was American, but he was actually born in Edinburgh, Scotland. And he came to America. The, the sad thing is the Scottish people wouldn't fund his invention, but the good, good old Americans did. And hence we have the telephone. Aren't you glad he invented the telephone? It just saves a lot of work. And out of that comes the iPhone and all this great stuff. If you've got your Bibles with you today, I'm going to read from 2 Kings chapter 5, and I'll base my thoughts heading for a breakthrough, heading for a breakthrough. Now, Naaman was a commander of the army of the king of Aram, and he was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Say it with me, but he had leprosy. Now the, hand, the bands of raiders from Adam had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master could see the prophet who was in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Verse 9, So Naaman went down with his horse and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. Verse 11, but Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out and say to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Arbana and Afarpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I just wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned away and went off in a rage. Verse 14, so he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored, and he became clean like that of a young child. Verse 17, if you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry, for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other God but the true God. And I want to talk for a few moments this morning, if I can get this up here. Hold on, these electronic things. I want to talk about heading. Heading for a breakthrough. Naaman was a great man of the sight of his master. He, was an, he wasn't a legend in his own mind. He was a legend in the, in the mind of the country. He was looked up to as a commander. He was highly regarded. In other words, his word meant something. When he said something, you listened. When he said something, you obeyed. He, he, was, a, he, he was a man who had power when, and people listened to him. He, was, he had integrity. How many know it's important to have integrity? In fact, I say this all the time. If you have integrity, nothing else matters. If you don't have integrity... Nothing else matters. If people can't trust you, it doesn't matter. If you have integrity, nothing else matters. He had the respect of his people. He was, he, and you get respect by being respectful. He was a man of character, and he could, do, and he could be depended on. He's, what he said he would do, he would do. And talk, sometimes we talk about our character, but I saw a writing on a wall somewhere that said, don't talk about your character. Let your character talk for itself. 
How many know you don't have to come in and tell people, this is who I am? If people have known you for a few years, they know exactly who you are. Good, bad, or ugly. They just know your character because that's who you are. Can you feel me this morning? That's right. Somebody got it. Can you feel me this morning? So people should know we are different. He was valiant. He was full of resolve. Whatever, whatever he wanted to do, he would do. He had a don't give up attitude. He was a wealthy man, but with all that, he had leprosy. He needed a breakthrough. And I don't care who you are today. You could be well-heeled, you could be poor, you could be, you could be up in, in age, you could be young, you could be middle-aged. It doesn't matter. Every one of us at some time in our lives will need a breakthrough. It may be a breakthrough in your finances. It may be a breakthrough in your family. It may be a breakthrough in your health. It may be a breakthrough just in life itself. But the truth is, we all will need a breakthrough. Say amen today. And, you know, there are some things that will stop you from having a breakthrough. And here's one of them, fear. Fear will stop you and I having a breakthrough in our lives. How many times have we gone to do something and somehow or other fear got a hold of us and stopped us? And we had never did it. And then we look back 10 years later and said, I wish I could have, would have, should have. Fear. I call fear. Fear is the dark room where we develop all of our negatives. That's a good one. Write that one down. Fear is the dark room where we develop all of our negatives. If the enemy can get you in the spirit of fear, because fear will paralyze you in your tracks. Fear will stop you from doing what God wants you to do. And there's nothing to fear but fear itself. So fear is one of the areas that will stop you from going on for, and doing all you can be. Here's another one, lack of faith. We, 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 stop our, we, we don't have our breakthrough because we go by sight instead of faith. How many times people say the wrong things instead of saying words of faith? I don't know. But I watch, I've got people on Facebook. Now, do you ever have people on Facebook, you never know how they get on your Facebook? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, I have people on my Facebook. I don't even know them, you know. But there's this one particular woman, and she's on the Facebook, and I see it all the time, and it's always negative. It's my family. It's sickness. It's, you know, my, my, my marriage, it's my mother-in-law still living. All that kind of negative stuff, you know what I'm saying? I'm just checking to see if you're listening. I'll throw in one of these now and again just to check you out. And the truth is, if you read her Facebook, sure enough, one week it's she's sick. The next week, her kids are sick. And it's all because I believe she talks herself into sickness. Because she's not living in faith. She's living in lack, she's got lack of faith. And she's continually talking about what, what the negativity and the, you know, the, 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 the wrong things in her life. When I, I reckon your speech, you know, I believe verbiage is very important. The, re, the right verbiage. We can say this place is half empty. Or we can say the place is half full. And the verbiage is very important. And the truth is we can talk ourselves through lack of faith and just stop being what God has called us to do. And we can stop us from having a breakthrough. And God wants us to have a breakthrough. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. Insecurity will stop you having a breakthrough. Insecurity. I wish I could, but I don't think I can do that. You ever been like that? Ever been like that? I'm going to tell you something. Every one of us suffer from insecurity. Every one of us, some in different levels, but you all suffer from it. Are you with me? If you suffer from insecurity, say amen. amen. I thought you were, yeah. So we all suffer from it. But the truth is, we've got to overcome that insecurity and get our security in God. 
Remember the story of Jonah? God said to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to preach there, and you're going to have a revival, you're going to have a great move there, and I'm going to use you, and da 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 and off he goes. But Jonah didn't believe he could do it. So what did he do? He went the opposite way. Now listen, God doesn't play games. God won't ask you to do something you can't do, right? I mean, he's not, he's not going to ask you to sing in the choir if you can't sing. Now, you maybe think you could sing, because, you know, at one time, I was, a, I was leading the worship back in the church in Virginia Beach, and, and ha- we were the new kids on the block, a new church, and, and uh, we get people coming, and I was the worship pastor, and people would come and say, look, I just feel the Lord has called me to sing, and I said, okay, so let's have an interview, and let's have an audition, so, and they would start singing, and I could see after being on three different keys in one song, it ain't going to happen. You know what I'm saying? And the truth is, God doesn't play games like that, you know? I had one guy say to me, you know, oh, here's a song God gave me. And I listened to it, and I said, yeah. I thought, yeah, he gave it to you because he didn't want it either. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And we think God calls us to do things we can't do. But God doesn't play games. If God said to you, build a church in Kerrville, Bert, he knew you could do it. If God says to you guys, believe for this, he knows you can do it. When God said to Jonah, go to Nineveh, he knew he could do it. Are you with me? The problem was that Jonah didn't know he could do it. So he went the opposite way. And when you read the story of Jonah, it's down, down, down. The Bible says he went down to Tarshish. He went down to the ship. He went into the, into the bottom of the ship. He went into the ocean, into the belly of the fish. And he ends up in, a, in the belly of a big fish. One little room apartment. One table, little light. Water air-conditioned, water cooled. Well, you've got to have a bit of imagination. You know what I'm saying? Bear with me. Do you feel me? Yeah. Seaweed floating over his head. And it's a funny thing. The Bible says, and he de- he de- all of a sudden, he decided to look to Jerusalem. Now, I don't know how he could tell from it. There's no GPS back there. I don't know how he knew where Jerusalem was. But he had a go. He, had, he took a shot at it, you know? And sometimes it's good for you and I, even though we don't know exactly where we're going, take a shot. Have a, have a go, Joe. You know what I mean? So he took a shot at it. And he started thanking God. He said, God, forgive me for being disobedient and get me to where I'm going. And and actually, you know, he's in Nineveh. And he has the greatest revival that's ever been recorded. The whole city turned to God, including the king. Are you with me today? Because God knew because he had, finally, he stopped insecurity from allowing him not to have his breakthrough. And I'm going to tell you, folks, look, it's a big thing in the church today. Don't allow insecurity. Don't think, I can't do that. You'd be amazed what you can do if you really had to travel. I remember hearing a, a story about this woman. Who, she had a little baby. And she, she had a, a two-year-old, she had a, like a five-year-old son and a little baby. And she had a little river out behind her house. And, and uh, what happened, the, the baby fell, in the, the, the son, the five-year-old boy fell into the river. And she's holding the baby and she didn't know what to do. And she couldn't dive. She's afraid to jump in the water to save him. Well, sad to say the little boy drowned. So the police came, and the police said to the lady, well, why didn't you jump in to get him? She says, well, it's, it's, I couldn't. I was paralyzed. It was too deep. He said, the water's only 12 inches deep. And somehow, the enemy of our souls makes us think we can't do it because the waters of evangelism is too deep. The, the, what you're going to do, you're, you're going to jump in too deep. You're going to be over your head when it's not the case at all because when God's with you, you never get over your head. We only get over our heads when God's not with us. Are you with me? Can you feel me? So insecurity will stop you from being, having a breakthrough. Another one is resentment. 
resentment will stop, having, stop you from having a breakthrough. Don't cry foul because of your color or your station in life or of a horrible upbringing. Because if you're served lemons, make lemonade. Some people, they just they, they become victims of their circumstances. And they, and, they, and they just can't see out of that story. Well, I was brought up on the wrong side of the tracks. And, you know, I was reading a story just the other week that Richard, Sir Richard Branson, the owner of the Virgin Atlantic, he was dyslexic. He never made anything to school. But he's made plenty since he left school. He's one of the billionaires, the richest men in the world today. Why? Because he refused to be a victim of his circumstances. And sometimes you and I can become a victim of our circumstances. Well, I, I, I never had the right parents. I ne- no, no, go, listen, this is your day. You can make a decision to do something great with your life. I don't care what you came, where you came from. God knows where you come from, and God knows where you came from, and God knows where you're going, but he wants you to be partners with him and get going and have a breakthrough in your life. Are you with me? Christine Kane. How many know Christine Kane? A great, one of the greatest women evangelists in the world today. She had a horrible upbringing. She was abused and beaten and left and all this kind of stuff. But she's one of the greatest evangelists today because she refused to, be a, to, to give up and be resentful. Resentment can stop us. Let these things inspire us to have a breakthrough. You see, the, tr- the truth is, every one of us here today have a story to tell. Some of it's good, some of it's bad, some of it's ugly. But we're here, aren't we? Through it all, we're here. We're standing. God's blessed us. God's kept us. I mean, when I look back at some of the, some of the days that I, when I traveled and some of the ways that I thought we'd never make it, we did. We're here. Here I am, 37, just still praising God. Just check it to see if you're listening. Well, 57, tell the truth, 57. And plus tax. But you cannot, you cannot just stand by by your circumstances. Let me read you a story. Annie Sullivan was brought up in poverty. Her mother died when she was eight. She, was, she contacted an eye disease while young. Her father abused her and finally abandoned her. She was sent to a poorhouse with her sickly younger brother, who died a few months later. She was left alone. However, she ended up being valedictorian of her class at a special school for eye problems. You talk about a bad beginning. You talk about a tough beginning. That's a pretty tough beginning. Helen Keller. How many ever heard of Helen Keller? Helen Keller was born blind and deaf. Nobody knew what to do with her. Nobody knew how to handle her. But a knock came to the door one day, and it was a young woman. Her name was Annie Sullivan. And she helped Helen Keller become an inspiration to all in spite of her challenges. We don't know Annie Sullivan, but we do know Helen Keller. And I'm going to tell you, maybe a lot of people don't know you, but we can affect people because we don't get resentful of where we come from and our situation and our positions. We can change the world because we decided not to become a victim of our circumstances, but become a victor over our circumstances. Resentful will stop you in your tracks. See, we'll all need a breakthrough. It could be with your family. It could be their family. Anybody had family problems? <laughs> Both of my hands are up, except I'm holding the mic in one, but I'm, this one's up. I mean, you know, some of you people have known me for years, and I mean, some of you haven't, but I have four children. My wife had them all. And uh, <laughs> I have twins, a boy and a girl who's 37. I have a boy, 33, a girl, 30. And uh, anyway, I was brought up in church. I traveled in the ministry for, since I was 15. I've been a, a, a singer and a preacher. And, and, uh, but I, my two boys went nuts. They went on drugs. 
And this, I mean, of all the families that shouldn't have been, not going to be like, I should have been like the Waltons, you know. Good night, John. Good night, John Boy. Good night, Dad. Good night, David. Good night, Robert. Good night. But the truth is, that wasn't the case. My two boys went to drugs for 10 years. But I never gave up. I never gave up. I prayed for my family. I prayed every day for my boys. And, and I'll tell you, I, would, I would stand up and i say to the devil, devil, you think you've got them boys, but you'll never get them boys. I, they were dedicated to God when they were young. And I'll, 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 we'll pray them through. Mark and I, just, we'll keep praying for them. Well, the good news is, I'm here to tell you today, they're both, they're both drug-free. They're both doing great. They've got great jobs. Why? Because I refused to let the devil have my family. I refused because I, I, I needed a breakthrough in my family, and I got it. And I'm, gonna, I'm telling some of you here today, maybe some of you need a breakthrough in your family. And here's the word of the Lord to you today. God sent this old Scotsman to Kerrville, Texas, to let you know, don't give up, hang on. Your families may be not what they should be, but they're not what they used to be. And by the grace of God, we will not give up on our families. Can I hear an amen? He wants to give you a breakthrough in your families. Well, first of all, believe it possible. Secondly, prepare for it. Believe it. Say it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Say it with me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And see it in faith, even though you can't see it through the eyes of your sight. You can see it through the eyes of faith. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're serving notice on the enemy today. You may think you've got my boy. You may think you've got my father. You may think you've got my cousin. You may think you've got my, my daughter. No, no. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So don't be, cannot be resentful. You maybe need a breakthrough in your finances. Everybody needs a breakthrough in your finances. I believe the church needs a breakthrough in the finances. And I'll never forget, you know, about, about six or seven years ago, I'm sitting in my house and I had a $8,000 credit card debt. Now, I'd never been in debt. Uh, and for some reason, I don't know why. I mean, I, I was still preaching, still singing, still I had my resource, my, my, my CDs and, and all that kind of stuff. And I don't know if the offerings, you know, sometimes the love offerings are more love than offering. You know what I mean? They're more love than offering. But I don't know what happened. I did the same thing. I saw people getting saved. But somehow, I ended up $8,000 in debt. And I was just delighted because I knew God could provide for me. No, I was discouraged. I was sitting in my office one day, and I'm just discouraged. And, and, I'm, and I'm just, you know, just, just moaning to God. You ever moan to God? You ever shout to God? It's okay. He's a big boy. You can handle it. I was moaning. Well, God, here's, my, here's me. Look, I'm encouraging everybody else. And if anybody knows me, I've been, that's what I've done all my life. I've always been an encourager. I've encouraged people to do this and do that. And here's me sitting, $8,000 in debt. I didn't know how to get rid of it. And, and uh, so I'm just praying to God. So I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, read Psalm 23. Now, who doesn't know Psalm 23? I mean, I've done hundreds of funerals, and I would say 99% of my funerals, I read and preach out of Psalm 23. I could, tell, I could probably read it backwards. I won't prove it, but I could. <laughs> it's a matter of speech. And I, and, and I looked at it, and I began to read it, honestly. And so I read it, and it came to that, I shall not be in want. And something leapt off the page. I shall not be in want. I shall not. Are you listening to me today? The word of the Lord, you could trust some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. I shall not be in want. 
Now, and, I, I, and I'll study it later. That word want is both a present tense verb and a future tense verb. It means I shall not want today and I shall not want tomorrow. So I went through to my wife, Margaret. We've been married 40 years past March. And uh, to the same woman, by the way. Yeah. So we decided just to keep each other. It would be cheaper in the long run, you know. So. But I went through to Margaret. And, you know, you've got to understand Scottish people. We're very, well, we say we're very canny. We're very careful. We don't, let's, you know, I, we don't say, ah, the Lord spoke to me, Margaret. And I just, you know, no, no. That's what I said to Margaret. I said, I think the Lord spoke to me just now. She said, well, what did he say? I said, well, you know, I've been worried about the finances and that, that credit card debt, and I just felt the Holy Spirit said to me, you know, read Psalm 23. And when I read it, it just came right out of the paper like I read my word. You shall not be in want. And she said, well, we'll just believe God. And, you know, if he spoke to you, you know, we'll believe God. So, because I'm not one of those people who said, well, God told me this and God told me that. You know, some people get up in the morning and they ask God, God, what should I wear? And I'm sure God says, I'm your father, not your mother. <laughs> so anyway, I, I, I believe, I'm sorry, I believe in God. And the truth is, the next week, I get a check for $10,000. Never had one before. Never had one since. Quite willing to have one. <laughs> Cameron Family Ministries is still the name. $10,000. Now, I needed eight. Is he, God is more than enough, God. He's an El Shaddai, not the El Chipo. He's more than enough. And, uh, and this is the funny thing, right? It came from a little church in Seattle with about 15 people that when I, and I hadn't been to for six years. And it was such a negative church, I said to my wife, I'm not going back to that church again because they're just a bunch of disgruntled people that left all other churches and came to this church, and it was like a viper's nest. You understand what I'm talking about? You know, maybe you don't know that, but that's what it was. And God used them to send $10,000. I'll tell you what happened. They finally decided to dissolve. It was so bad they decided to give up. And they had $100,000 in the bank, and they were going to give to 10 different ministries. And praise God, somebody knew about Cameron Family Ministries, and, and on it came. So what, so what happened? The Lord spoke. I listened, I believed, and I had a breakthrough in my finances. Are you with me today? A breakthrough. So, we, you know, we maybe need a breakthrough in your finances. Don't hang up. Don't give in. Because, you know, what the Bible says, when you walk through the water, you shall not be flooded, or shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Now, I don't know. But I've walked through the fire. I've felt the heat. And I've gone through the water, and I've been up to here. But I've never been drowned, and I've never been burned. Are you with me? You can, I've felt the heat, and I've felt the water. And I've just had my nose above the water sometimes. But never, David says, I was young and I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. So don't give up. I'm talking to somebody this morning. Some are facing a dilemma financially. And I'm telling you, don't give up. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or think. Don't give up for your families. Don't give up for your finances. Because God can and will come through for you if you remain faithful. Are you with me? Can you feel me this morning? I'm getting excited. I'll start preaching. Maybe you need a breakthrough in your health. Maybe you need a breakthrough in your ministry. Or maybe you just you need a breakthrough in life itself. Well, God can give you that breakthrough. God can give you that breakthrough. Just allow him to have, because Naaman needed a breakthrough. 
It could, it could be anything. You know, people, have you ever noticed some people have the right ingredients, they're born with a silver spoon in their mouth, and yet they never amount to anything, they never have a breakthrough? And yet you see other people from the other side of the tracks that have nothing going for them, and yet they have a breakthrough. So it doesn't matter who you are, God can give you a breakthrough. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you're born, God can give you a breakthrough. Why? Because he's faithful. He's a faithful, loving Heavenly Father. Joseph needed a breakthrough in order to become who God wanted him to be. Joseph was a spoiled brat. Remember the story? He was the boy. He's the, he was the, the, Joseph was the one that when all these brothers were out looking after the sheep in the heat of that eastern days, Joseph was back with mummy making soup. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, you really know what I'm saying. He had this coat of many colors. He sashayed through the house. And then when the guys came home at night hungry and tired, he would tell them all the great things. And they saw him with his coat and sashaying through the, through the house. They, they hated him. The Bible says they hated him. In fact, they tried to kill him. But you know how many know God can break through brats? God can take a brat and break through. I think I was a bit of a brat myself, you know. I don't know. Was I a bit of a brat when I was younger? I probably was a little bit. But, but God broke through me and he gave me a breakthrough and I'm a fine guy now. That's my wife. Well, maybe not her, but maybe us. Us Bert, maybe. But the truth is, you know, he needed a breakthrough because God took him from a brat to be a prime minister. And he was forgotten about. He was lied about. He was, he was accused of a sex offender and all that stuff until God finally wanted and said, okay, your time's come. It's your breakthrough. And he became the second most important man in Egypt only to Pharaoh. Why? Because God gave him his breakthrough. And I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you've gone through. I don't care what you've faced. I don't care what you're facing. You can have a breakthrough. Can I, are you with me today? Yes. See, so you, can have a big, you can have a breakthrough in your failures. Thomas Edison had a thousand failures before he made the light bulb. But aren't you glad he persisted to the thousandth of one time and gave us the light bulb? Although I thought they hadn't paid the light bill today when I came in. There was no light when I came in here today, and I couldn't see anybody. <laughs> Thank God they paid the light bill, and it's back on again. Amen. That's a joke, by the way. But you can, you, can, you, you, can, you can learn through the things you're suffering. You can learn through the mistakes. Just don't make the same mistake all the time. Never, in fact, I've often said, never miss an opportunity of a mistake. Because every mistake is an opportunity for you to have a breakthrough. We can proceed by, we can succeed by process of elimination. A person that never made a mistake never made anything. It's interesting, isn't it? Naaman's respected, integritous, wealthy, respected, yet he had leprosy. Now, but this is the kind of God we have. But it just so happened there was an Israelite girl serving Naaman's wife. Aren't you glad for that? You know, it's sometimes we, in, we find ourselves in that bind. And I remember years ago when my dad and I were, a long time ago when I was a little boy and my dad was in business. And they, would be, they had a big furniture store. And I remember he would say some night, sometimes, if it wasn't for that one person coming in at the last minute at night, we would, have, we would have had a bad day. You know what I'm saying? But there was that last person who came in at the last minute at night. There always has been. God's always sent somebody. And it just so happened this Israelite girl was serving Naaman's wife. 
And she heard, she saw her, her master was, had, had uh, leprosy. And this little girl, you know, help me know, it wasn't by chance that she was there. And it's not by chance that we're here today. You're not here, by, you're not here by chance. You're not here by happenstance. You're here because God wants you here. And God wants you to hear what the, what the word has said today and, what the, and, and, and hear the song of the Lord. That girl was on a mission. She had heard of the man of God in Samaria. And the truth is we are on a mission today. We're on a mission. We're not just sitting here having an hour and a half and, and filling in time until lunchtime. We're on a mission. We're here. I mean, I'm, I've come all the way from Virginia Beach to Texas uh, just to have, not, not to just have a fine time, to be on a, I'm on a mission. If I didn't have a mission in mind, I'd probably just stay in Virginia Beach. But when, you're, when you know God and when, you're, when you know God, who God is, you're on a mission. We're, we're better led than we know it. She was on a mission. She knew God. She was a person of faith. I love what she said. If my master would go down to Samaria, I know he will heal him. That was pretty much faith right there, wasn't it? I mean, if that had been me, I would say, you know, I reckon if you went down there, there's a good chance you could be healed. That's how we would say it. She didn't say that. She said, if my master goes down there, I know he will heal him. That's faith. She was, a, she was on a mission. She was, on a, she was a person of faith. She was a person of destiny because she changed the destiny of Naaman. But Naaman had some problems. And here's some seven things Nathan, Na, Naaman had to get rid of. How, how much time have we got left? Five minutes. How, how, who'll give me five more minutes? Five, ten, fifteen, twenty. Oh, fine, 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 fine. Oh, my God. Seven traits Naaman had to get rid of in order to get his breakthrough. Number one, verse 11, pride. He gets up there, and the man of God says, sends his servant and, and, uh, and tells Naaman, you know, just go down and dip in the Jordan seven times. And Naaman got angry. He says, why wouldn't he come himself and just wave his hand over me and, and just, I'd be healed like that? Because, and he, but, you know, he, he was proud. And the Bible said he walked away. We've got to get rid of pride if we're going to be healed. We've got to get rid of pride if we're going to have a breakthrough. Sometimes pride gets in our way. And we've got to understand, you know, we, we, we can't suffer from pride. And, and we are proud. And, are, and I, mean, who, I mean, come on, Texas. It's a, there are proud people in Texas. A lot to be proud for. I love Texas. You know, if I didn't live in Virginia Beach, I would live in Texas. I'd miss the water, but I'd live in Texas. You're a proud people. But you're not a right proud people. You're not a proud, proud people. You're just a proud people. Are you, you know what I'm getting at? There's something about Texas that's... It's like a land that, it's like a country on its own, isn't it? Can you feel me? Well, I'm trying to win you over here this morning. You don't give me much encouragement. I feel all alone up here. I feel I'm, drink, I feel I'm drowning up here. Pride. You've got to get rid of pride if you're going to be healed, a breakthrough. Number two, the Bible says he went away angry. And listen, we're all being angry at God at sometimes, haven't we? I mean, you know, honestly, I'm not that super spiritual. I'm just like everybody else. When my boys were going through this stuff, I was angry at God. I would shout and I would cry and I would be angry at God because why would they be doing that? And, and, when, I, and, and when, I, when I was sick one time for two years, I got really sick and, and uh, I would be angry at God. Why is this happening to me? And the truth is God, sent me, God brought us through it. And God can handle an argument. God can handle an angry person because he is, the Bible says he, he, he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He doesn't get offended. He understands us. He understands our frail needs, you know. We've got to get rid of that temper. We, you know, I read a story about a, a golfer put his ball in the water. He got so angry, he took the clubs and threw them in the lake, only to find out it was his partner's clubs and not his. <laughs> Sometimes we get angry, we do the wrong thing. We don't act, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. 
So let's, let's, let's understand. He went away angry. We've got to get rid of anger. If we're an angry person, if you're an angry bird, we've got to get rid of that, get, get, get on the altar and get in the, before God and say, God, come on, help me with that anger. God, you've got to get rid of it. Are you with me? Because if you don't deal with anger, it'll turn into bitterness. Remember the story in Ziglag, 1 Samuel 30. David comes back with these men. They've been out fighting. And the Philistines had taken all, the, all these men's women and stuff, everything they had. They raided them and left. And the Bible says in, in, in 1 Samuel 30 that the men wept until they had no more strength to weep. In other words, they were sorrowful. They were grieved. But then in verse 6 it goes on to say, But the men were bitter, and they spoke of stoning David. You see, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to be grieved. But if you don't handle that anger and grief, it's going to turn into bitterness. And when it turns into bitterness, that's another story, honey. That, that, that gets down the road a whole lot more. Are you with me? In fact, I was sharing a uh, psalm, Psalm 73, 21. The, the psalmist said, look, when, when my heart was grieved and my, spitter wo- my spirit was embittered, I was ignorant. I was ignorant. When you, and, and I spoke like a, like a dog or some, some words of that effect. When we get angry and when we get bitter, when our heart is grieved and our spirit gets embittered, we do things we shouldn't do. We say things we shouldn't say. Are you with me? So get rid of anger. Number three, get rid of presumption. I thought he would come to me. How many know God's ways are not our ways? And God's thoughts are not our thoughts. He's not going to do it the way we think sometimes. He might do it sometimes the way we think. But oftentimes he won't do it the way we think because he doesn't think like us. He thinks big. He thinks enormous. He thinks the big picture. Sometimes we can't see the big picture. We, see, we, see the, we can't think after lunch. But he sees the big picture. So we got rid of that presumption. God ways are not our ways. Sometimes we think how God should work. And you know, we think, it's like, you know the story when Jesus spit, spat in the, in the blind eyes, the, the blind man's eye? And the disciples are looking on, the dirty dozen. Can you imagine him? He, he just spit in the man's eye. No, if that had been today, we probably had a webpage, spitting.com or something, you know. But they're not, Jesus is not going to, God's not going to do it the way we think. He'll do it. He'll, he'll do it his own way. Are you with me? Number, what number? I'm just checking. Number four. I know it's down here. We've got to reject prejudice. Are not the waters of our Bannon far, far, far greater than its old, filthy, old, muddy Jordan? And sometimes we have to get rid of prejudice. We, we've got to get rid of prejudice about the church down the street. Because if they're preaching the gospel, they're one of us. Are you with me? Remember the disciples came to Jesus and said, hey, there's a guy down the river. He's baptizing. And, he, and Jesus said, well, is he for us or against us? Well, he's for us. Well, let him be. You come with me. I've got stuff for you to do. Let him be. You get rid of prejudice. We've got, we have 6,000 people in our church in Virginia Beach. And we've got all kinds of people. Purple hair. Gray hair. Me. Pink hair. I mean, you know, tattoos. Anybody got tattoos here today? Good on you. Tattoos. You know, uh, piercings out of every part of their body. Some you can see, some you can't. But they're all Welcome. They're all welcome. But, you know, we could be prejudiced. There had been a day when I was prejudiced about that. Oh, look at them. God will clean them up. He'll change them. Maybe not. Maybe God will just use them the way they are. You know, he uses me the way I am. Prejudice. We've got to rid of prejudice. Number three. Number five. Number what? Five. Disobedience. He went away. He would rather have kept his leprosy than be obedient. 
I mean, how dumb can you be and still breathe? That's dumber and dumber. You know what I mean? That's dumb and dumber 03. He would rather have kept his leprosy because it, didn't think, it wasn't coming the way he thought. Number six. I'm not rushing. I know time's going. Number six, offenses. He went off in a ridge offended. How many times do we get offended over little things? Now, in our church in, in Virginia Beach, and then the main campus where I am, we have six acres of parking. It's a lot of parking. And it's full. So we have parking attendants out in the parking lot telling you where to go. And we know how to park the cars to get the maximum amount of cars in the parking lot. So you, you'll come in and, and you know, the, the attendant will say, you go over here. And some people say, no, I want to go over there. No, I want you to go over there because it's, you know. You get offended at a parking attendant. You get offended at somebody coming in the door. Maybe, you know, people get offended for anything. You might get offended at the preacher. You might get offended at the guest speaker. Here you are. Here I, here I is. But the thing about this, we've got to get rid of offenses. Now, here's the truth about offenses. There's a lot of things in the Bible that's a bit gray. You've got to really work on it. Some of it. But there's some things in the Bible that's not gray. It's pretty black and white. And the Bible says this, offenses will come. Somebody's going to offend you. Bird's going to offend you one day. Becky might offend you one day. Anybody, Fabian might offend I can't remember. I can't imagine Fabian offending anybody. But, but, you know, somebody might offend you one time. But the truth is, you don't just leave the church because you're offended. I mean, I've been married 40 years. Do you understand how many times Margaret's offended me? <laughs> or I have offended Margaret many times more, probably. But I haven't left the marriage. But the funny thing is we get offended with church. And we'll leave the church. And it doesn't do you good leaving the church. You might as well stick in there. Like, because we're all human. We're all imper- imperfect. We're all, in a, we're all on the journey together. We're all on the bus. Some in the front, some in the back, some in the middle. We're all on the bus. But for God's sake, don't get off the bus. Keep going. Get rid of offenses. I love that preach. I hope, I hope you're enjoying this as much. I wish I was out there listening to this. It's, you know. <laughs> if you feel offended, suck it up. Be a man, be a woman, suck it up, and, and move on. Number seven, defiance. He walked away defiant. I remember I was in Scotland one time, and I was playing putt-putt, and this mother came along with three boys, and it was typical Scottish. You know, they had their school uniforms on, short, short gray pants and a hat and, and the blazer and all that, you know. And one of the little boys didn't want to play putt-putt. And I'll never forget that me, me and my wife are sitting in a bench, and along she comes, and she's pulling this young, the middle guy by the ear, and I could hear it as clear as a bell. You will enjoy this, and you will play, and you will, you know, and stand, you know, sit down there until you're ready. And I'll never forget the little boy sat down. And he said, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up in the inside. <laughs> I mean, I thought, that's pretty much like us, you know. We'll do, we'll, it looks as though we're doing the right thing, but inside we're thinking, nah. I'm going to get that sucker, you know. <laughs> so, so listen, here's a story. He finally came to himself and dipped in the muddy Jordan seven times, and lo and behold, just as the prophet said, he got wonderfully healed. But that was only one part of the story. The story is he, got, he gave his life to Jesus because the truth is he said, listen, he said, I'll, I'll pay you for this. And, 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 Elijah, and Elijah said, no, no, you I don't want money. I'll just, you know. Well, he said, let me do this. Give me some earth. 
as much as a mule can carry, because the Jewish people believed that whenever they went out of town or out of state or out of the country, they took a bag of earth with them because they would put the earth down and they would stand on the earth and worship on the earth because it was holy ground. And he knew that. And he said, well, tell you what, give me a mule, as much earth as a mule can carry, because when I go into the temple to, to, to worship that other gods, I'm not going to worship them. I'm going to put the, the, the earth down, and I'm going to worship the true God. He got a revelation of who God was. Naaman had a breakthrough. So listen, you need a breakthrough today. Many times, and in fact, the, the biggest breakthrough you and I could have is giving our lives to Jesus. We've had a breakthrough. I'm not talking about coming to church. I'm talking about getting your life right with God. Every head bowed, 